Jerry! But that's an awkward entrance. to the homeless version of the podcast. I don't know who I'm addressing, but... Homeless version of the podcast. I, yeah. I don't think homeless people have balconies. That's true. Their world is a balcony. Yeah. If that's what you call the side of the street, I guess. I don't know. I've never been homeless. I think that's a good natural segue. I don't understand how people get... I realize people get down on their luck, but I... I don't know. I, I find it hard... To believe that I could ever be homeless. Maybe I have too positive of an outlook. Maybe I know that I have at least the minimal amount of skills that could get me money. I don't know if it's necessarily the skills or the lack of money. Usually it's just a mental illness-ish thing, sort of cast people aside Not in society. Not always. Not always. But I mean, if it isn't some kind of pre-existing mental illness of sorts, it could be a drug addiction, which many people classify as a is a mental illness, but but that's something that you would choose to have and indulge yourself into certain drugs or whatever, or choose a certain lifestyle that eventually leads you down a road that would probably end up with you homeless. Because you can't live somewhere if you're not making money, and if you're spending all your money on drugs, or you're just living a lifestyle that you don't have enough money to afford things, and debt collectors are knocking down your door, it's kind of inevitably going to lead to you getting evicted from wherever you are. Very true. And when, once you're out, it's kind of difficult to get back in, I'd imagine. Well, on the topic of homelessness and whatnot, I think we've mentioned it once or twice, but the idea of a guaranteed minimum wage, or guaranteed livable wage, I think we've talked about it, and if we haven't talked about it on the podcast... A livable wage, or you mean like a... Like a, min- a guaranteed minimum income. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you know they, they... I assume you'd know that they did a test project in Ontario, or test, a test of it in Ontario. No, I didn't know about the one in okay. Ontario. So they did a test pilot of it. Okay. I think it was 17,000 people that were given it. What was the amount of money? Uh, uh, you know what? Full accountability, since it is a current issue, I will find. It wasn't enough. It wasn't a minimum wage, but I think it was like $17,000. Okay. It's, it's like around the poverty line, they say. So, I mean, if you're making that much guaranteed... This is regardless of these people working or they, these people didn't work. I don't all. know how they were picked. Yeah. I don't need sense. Because if everybody gets this income, what about the people that already make decent money? They're just getting money on top and you're, and you're taking it from the rich? Who doesn't get this income? Because ultimately, for people to pay into it, some people are not getting this income. That's true. I don't. I still don't understand the economics behind any of these plans, this basic income. And there's lots of people that are rich that say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I would give up certain amount of money for this this project to work or whatever but i think they're always over relying on the top one percent of people that make tons of money like oh yeah but they got to put in their share because they make more than me and, and all this and that i don't know i don't really who's paying for it is my well, question at the end of the day yeah um and then does that de-incentivize my willingness to work for significantly more money when i have to give so much of it up into this system and are you just penalizing the middle class, which can't afford it again and again with all of these incentives for the poor? Okay, well, 
I think we can talk about it as a generality. Yeah. So, the theory behind it was if you're given a guaranteed minimum income. Yeah, you're just given money. Right? Sure. Uh, that in some cases, the economy would blossom. Because if I was told that I didn't have to work a regular 9 to 5 job, yes, am I going to sit at home and do nothing? Possibly. Not me. Meh, maybe not you. But. Right? See, that's that's the positive side of things. I would try to grow something. I would actually try to contribute more to the economy because I would have more time to grow my business. But it might per- make people pursue artistic sort of ambitions, which probably wouldn't have any also true revenue possibilities. Like, I'm going to become a painter because I get paid $17,000 a year to do nothing. True. And then you could paint shit paintings. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Anyways, doesn't matter, because they scrapped it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, it didn't. Uh, the Ford government did scrap it. Okay. And the Hamilton Spectator wrote an article about some of the people in Hamilton that were affected by it. Okay. And some of, like, the people with... Uh, there, there were some issues in the article that I had, and I realize now talking that I should tread lightly on beliefs, but whatever... Um, one of the articles mentioned that the woman using the 17 or whatever number it was, the $17,000, yep. uh, used it to help out a friend. So you're given this minimum income. None of them said they got jobs with it. One of the people said they were looking because they got what they needed. They have an apartment. Uh, they have a, a place to a place to come from, you know, like... I guess a place to shower and clean up before you go to work. So that is important, depending so, on the job. Yes. But not one of them in the 10 months I think it's been going had, in this article, had attained a job of any capacity. Really? Yes. One of them... It was targeting specifically homeless or jobless I th- people? I think it was low income Just slash low. homeless. One was a former sex worker. Okay who, at the very least, didn't need to sex work anymore, work in the sex trade anymore because of it. And then the article was very, very explicit about saying, well, now that it's been scrapped, I may have to go back into the sex work. But none of them... What makes this person have to do that kind of work? Okay. Because i got to find this article. Because sex work... It, it's, I, I'll say it's a type of work. It involves it is a type of work. many tasks and coordinating... It is a business. Good hand-eye coordination. If you can have sex for money, what's stopping you from working at one of the many big corporations around us, fast food chains or or retail or any of those places? I don't. I'm assuming this person isn't handicapped in a way that makes them unable to go to those jobs and do nope. those things. Because if they can have, if they're a sex worker and can coordinate that, they have clearly some skills and ability to perform for an employer, even at a minimum wage job, which would probably pay. An, an entirely livable wage. Yeah, but even minimum wage is time. more than this pilot project. Yeah, way more. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not a ton of money. No. And like it, it makes like who gets this money? Is it people that are making less okay, than I'll, seventeen? I found 000? the article that I read. Okay. So I'll give you a few examples. Sure. They introduce the person. They tell you their story. Okay. Um. And I'll give you kind of an explanation on the article as well. 
Uh, close to 1,000 Hamiltonians, Hamiltonians, Hamilton residents, are being left in the lurch after the new PC government announced it is scrapping a basic income pilot program less than one year after it launched. The basic income pilot which was being tested in three locations across the province, was providing 4,000 Ontarians with a guaranteed income of up to $17,000 a year for individuals or $24,000 a year for couples, less 50% for income earned. Less 50%... Okay, I don't know if that's a, that's a typo, unless it's, unless it's 50% or less 50%. I don't know. I'm assuming it's 50%. It's just a typo on the Hamilton Spectator's part. Nice. Uh, the Spectator spoke to six people and wrote in the basic income program, which costs $50 million a year, and heard from several others about what the project meant to them. Here are their stories. Lindsay Boyd, 53. Life before the income. Boyd, who has been on a wait list for subsidized housing for 11 years, was worried about being able to keep her apartment after learning a housing allowance program she received was being phased out. She had been going to the food bank every month, where she found herself eating processed food, which aggravated her bowel condition. Which, a lot of them have, have either anxiety issues, which I get, or very sensitive stomachs, or one with the basic income project adopted a cat knowing that the cat uh-huh. actually had a very sensitive stomach issue uh-huh. and has higher than average vet bills great anyways let's again go back to Lindsay. uh what has the pilot project meant for them actually it'd be neat if anybody ever happens to hear this that was a part of this inquire let's talk to you i don't know listen or watch but if you did it's okay it'll be they'll be offended enough by what i have to say probably that they won't want to while trying to survive on odsb boyd said she got herself in a huge pickle with payday loans that fucking christ i don't after filing for bankruptcy uh. twice she filed for a consumer appeal or a consumer proposal toward which she has been paying about a hundred dollars a month the extra money has been helping to pay for that. Boyd also used the additional funds to help out a friend, pay off her veterinarian bill, buy fruits and vegetables to start to rep- and start to replace items in her apartment, like a new telephone and fan. For the first time in 15 years, she treated herself to summer clothes at Walmart, three tank tops for $9, and was starting to put $50 a month into a savings account. What's next? Boyd says she will have to start heading back to the food banks, resorting to use her savings and no longer help out her friend. She's been looking forward to painting one of her living room wall. I'm sorry, one of her living room walls for the first time in 11 years, and stashing money towards a day trip this summer. I was so excited for this money to give me breathing room to actually do something, and it's all gone. It's absolutely gone. They paint. A picture, first off, of the the very, like, the saddest people you could imagine and just, like, make you want to pity them so much. And, I mean, I believe a lot about human accountability. I don't really, I don't know. Everybody's sort of accountable for their own actions in one way or another. But more so, like, when you're talking about before, these people have these crazy entitlements to, oh, that food at the food bank makes my 
insides not feel good. But it's free? It's free. Go fucking eat somewhere else then if you don't like it. You're complaining about the free thing. As, as, I don't know. Yes, I, we're trending towards a society where, oh yes, these are guaranteed basic human rights. And that's great, I guess. But it, it just, what, where does it stop? Like, oh, I need to get special vegan whatever food for my cat because my cat's a special snowflake and I'd like to uh, my my internals are only good if I eat fresh organic fruits and vegetables every day and I have special you know requirements actually, for vitamins. another one of the the people we'll, we'll get to that it might actually yeah. be worth going through the list of people because there's one on the list sure. that I agree with but I don't know what to say I mean like a couple thousand years ago you would have just been eaten by bears I don't know let's come up with something exactly it reminds me a little bit of this weird entitlement thing where I saw some tweet where somebody had compared, like, said that people having to pay for prescription glasses is like fascism because we're stopping people from using their eyes by not providing them glasses. Great. Go start buying people glasses if you think that they it's a basic human right to be able to use their eyes. They were born that way. That's not anybody's fault. That's true. And that's the same... This might catch... How downtrodden are you to be born needing glasses? That's so many people. That's, That's almost a everybody very at high some percentage point. of We're going to be old. We're going to need glasses. I might already need glasses. You wear reading glasses too, don't you? Not really, because I need... I, they reduce eye strain when you're looking at like a computer screen for a long time. So I, out of convenience, can do it. But I know for a fact that my family does have genes. That mean that yeah, by the time I hit 40... I'm going to need glasses. By the time I hit 40, yeah. I'll probably have driving glasses or something. At the moment, I'm, I'm lucky, but yeah. youth has its advantages. Um, no, I, I agree. The, and even the, the idea, they knew it was a pilot project, right? So, so they knew it would end. It's a pilot. The smartest thing to have done would be for the next year or whatever it was, 10 months, save as much as you can. Or invest. You in, invest, but not necessarily like financially invest. Invest in yourself. If yeah. there is a certain thing that you can do to make yourself make money in the future, for instance, putting money into something you know will be worth more later, which is a type of investment, or just buy clothes that can get you the job at yeah. the job interview you go to, or something like that. I mean, even you at should the do very it. least, not one of them mentioned, I became a Sensi rep. Not saying that that's a that's be a all pretty, end all, but you could make it. But you could have made money a little bit. So she's worried that she's going to have to go back to the food bank, spend I don't know. $3 at the Dollarama, get a pot, and go sit on the side of the road and beg for change to be put into your pot. That's an investment, isn't it? That is an it's investment. A, it's a business tool. True. Now, you don't have to hold your crack change in your pockets anymore. People can put it in your pot. That is true. I, two Christmases ago, I was coming out of, I was going into Walmart, and there was a guy asking if I had any, any cash. And this is halfway a joke, halfway true. If these homeless people were really thinking, and I realize that you need a cell phone, but I'm sure, with oh. respect to them, a lot of them do. Some tap. Yes. Get it, get it the square. Because yeah, I that honest... brings doubts of like, well, how well off is this person if they have these a things? free device? The square is the phone isn't right. If you can keep a phone on a network, right? You don't have to. You don't have to. Because you can do offline payments and then go to McDonald's for free Wi-Fi. Log in. So I'm saying, sure. There's incentivizes it a lot of times when people are like do you have any spare change i literally have no cash on me yeah right i don't know i don't think this is a 
Anyways, it's much of a dilemma. It's not that much of a dilemma. Also, when they go outside of Walmart and they like ask for money, and I ask if they want food, and then they sometimes begrudgingly say yes, and they look very disappointed when I give yes. them food. See, I really don't that's believe just their it. stories I as much. Always try to. It sounds like a stupid thing, but I always try to give something that at least there's some sort of receipt. That way, I know where this money has went. Hmm. Food is one thing. At, at uh, Christmas two years ago, going into Walmart, it was a cold night, obviously. A guy asked, do you have any spare change? I said, I have absolutely none. I go into Walmart and I leave. Same thing, because I tend to get you on the out, you know, on the in and out. And I get to my car, I put the stuff in, I'm like, it's cold. And I don't know what about, he asked politely, he didn't interrupt, like he was just like, I mean, technically he did, but I wasn't talking or anything. So I went back to him and I'm like, are you hungry? He said, yes. He says, okay, let's go to the superstore and get you like at least a, a pre-cooked meal. He's like, okay. So I take him to the superstore. Or as we're walking to the superstore, he begins to tell me his life story, which bothered me a little bit because he had already made the sale and yeah. he was actually spoiling it for himself because he told me he wasn't homeless. Not that that's a be-all, end-all in the Wow, indie. I'm surprised you said that. He said, I'm just really down on my luck. I have a really, really small apartment. All there is is a bed. Like, I'm like, eh. I go to the, to the superstore and I get him, like, one of those chicken tender meals. And as I'm leaving, there was just something about it there was a, you know, the, you know, you can get like giant cans of Chef Boyardee, like the two liter apple yeah. juice cans. There was like three of them on sale for a dollar, like something ridiculous. So yeah. Like, okay. At least this. I get three of them. I go back to him. I'm like, here, this is also for you. You have to get the can opener, which is an investment. Should but keep one on you. Yeah. There you go. They're all yours. And he said thanks and whatever, but I don't know what the point of this story was, but he oversold himself. Well, no, actually, I'd be more inclined to give somebody like that something, especially food is, is a pretty good thing to give food away. Food always. But but it's the people that, I live downtown St. Catharines for a bit, and there's people that have, are homeless, and they're homeless permanently. They, they, that's their job every all year long, is they sit on the street, they ask for money, or they do whatever they do to survive on the street. Yeah. They don't seem like they have any tendency of getting off the street, and I think everybody has the right if that's where they feel like they belong, and that's the truth that a lot of people don't want to admit, a lot of people are homeless because they can't exist in the rest of society. They don't fit with everybody else. they got to go true. do their own thing, which is, I think people have the right to do that, even if it's a sad, bleak thing for us to look at. That's fine. If somebody's down on their luck, and it's this thing that's happened, and, and you know, even if it's through fault of their own, it's forgivable. You can help somebody like that. I yeah. think it's a reasonable thing to do. And if you want to, you can help the people that aren't just down on their luck, too, if you want. But honestly, they might very well be feeding alcoholism or whatever they want with your money. I don't necessarily care. I'd sometimes give them money anyways if that's... I don't really care what, what they do with it so much but in But I cases. also have a, I have a food story. I think you know this food story. Food story, yeah. Um, was going on a date to set the, to set the scene. I was going on a date, a, a date with somebody and we were going to see the lights in Niagara Falls yep. and on the website the lights say... It's free to watch or free to go see, but it's ideal that you bring some sort of uh, non a bag of non-perishable food as a donation. I remember when you did this, right. too. So I thought, <laughs> I'm going to be a showboater. I'll get two 
good quality non-perishable food item bags and I had them in the car and then we went to the wrong lights. We went to the free lights so I couldn't actually donate anything. So now I had a bunch of this non-perishable food, which I could have kept, but I didn't. No. I kept it in the car. And then one day, as I was driving, there was a guy on the side of the street. I'm like, okay. So I pull my car over and I go and I give him this bag of groceries. He's like, what is this? I said, it's food. It's, it's a bunch, like it's, it's just non-perishable food. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, I don't know what to say anymore. It's food. And the only thing I can think of is... He didn't have a place to cook it? He didn't have a... Well, I mean, sure, canned spaghetti isn't good cold, but it's edible. It's edible, absolutely. Right? So the only thing I can think of is he only had one backpack. It's not like he had a shopping cart of stuff. So he might have been like, I'm going to have to eat a lot of this now because I don't have room for it. Maybe. But he wasn't grateful at all. No. He was just kind of like, okay. And I gave him the bag and I walked away. And that did not make me feel good. Not no. that my feeling has no. anything to but do with it. But that's a lot it. of the reason why people do things. I mean, that's a... It's a, a truth. It's a fact of altru- altruism. It is ultimately motivated by some benefit. In the case of much more simple organisms like insects, a lot of times it's a self-sacrifice because the individuals you're sacrificing yourself for carry the similar genetics to you when it passes on the traits related to altruism. But yeah. in more complex organisms, no, I think it relates a lot to how we feel, how it makes us think others would think about us. And uh, In that case, all that. theoretically, if you, were to, if you were to do it with nobody else around you, you're both getting something good out of it. You get to feel good that you donated. Somebody yes. else gets a, a meal or two or a dozen meals to eat. In this case, he was not appreciative of what he received. No. And I was not appreciative of what I received. Wasn't the greatest so I kept the other bag. Nice. Passive aggression. Yeah. Could you imagine what would he would have done if I gave him two grocery bags? Probably threw know. a can at me. A lot of the people that are homeless, whether they get along or not, they tend to know each other. A lot of them are interesting so call some of the other ones out as full of shit like there's you know because a lot of them do have a story of you know their sweet little story on top of things to just sell themselves to yeah you know get people to give them stuff or whatever and then there's a, more things about them underneath that a lot of these other homeless people get to know about these people it's um it'd be interesting the, the guy could have just took one and gave it to another homeless person because i'm sure that they know of other homeless people yeah. if they've been homeless long enough so i don't know and I, I think that they probably share amongst themselves plenty if there is food or whatever. I, I, it's like I, having friends. Everybody's got to have friends. I have a very recent story for this. I forgot entirely. Okay. On break, on Friday, I went to the Walmart McDonald's across the street from Beatty's. Yep. As I'm going into the Walmart, guys like, do you have any change? Uh, like change for food type thing. And I said, no. Again, not a lie. I didn't have change. Then I go to the McDonald's, and I'm like, you know what? I need an extra double cheeseburger. And then I go back out. And he's not there! He left! So you had an extra double cheeseburger. I had an extra one, but I was going to give it... And I realized, I guess anybody could say that, but he left too soon. <laughs> there was going to be food coming in his way, and I don't know where he went, but he left. What is the most optimal location to bag, do you think? Because lots of people do it at, like, highway exits. You're kind of forced to sit beside these people for a little while before the you know, lights change and you can you can move away from the exit. 
A lot of people do it up front of grocery stores. A bank. Banks. See, the weird thing about banks, I never really see anybody begging outside of a bank, but I I've do seen, see people I've seen sleeping people in, sleeping inside banks. That's because CIBC and St. Catharines, it was just, that was what people did for a long yeah. time until they started closing their doors, doors early at night. But um, I, they never begged while I was in there. And it was... It, it was well, you can't bag while you're in there. Like, they have to be outside. But you would think... I mean, they can do whatever they want. They're already trespassing. Soliciting is a hard sell, though. Sidewalk's public. It is. You can't beg on the inside. That's soliciting. But they tr- are trespassing by sleeping there overnight anyways. Yes, they are. So I don't think... And uh, who cares? What, they're going to throw them in jail for soliciting? These people... I think the homeless person would like that. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think they care. It's not much of a deterrent. Um, well, if banks are out, then... Like, is, are people, have they figured it out? Is the best way to do it at the highway exit? Church. That's an interesting one, right? Because you're playing on people's religious convictions to... Not before Mass. After Mass. After Mass. Where the guilt is, the Catholic guilt is set in. I think that'd be a good idea. Yeah. I mean, the only problem there is they spent all their money on the donation. Hell, if you're, if you're homeless, become a member of a church. That's probably a hell of a good way to get sympathy. What good would that do? People would know that you're homeless, and you can tell them about it. I guess that's true. And then I mean, they, Catholic, can, they Catholic, can virtue signal to their fellow churchgoers by giving you things. It depends on the church. I mean, a lot of Catholic churches, you don't meet. You, you go, you sit, mass happens. There's not a there's not a luncheon after every mass. Very small people, percentages. People gather around and, and talk. Yeah, but then you got to be careful. You have to you have to do it. You can't go. You have to become a member of the parish first. Yeah. And you can't go in guns a-blazing on the first day. No. You have to become friends. Yes. Maybe, maybe, that'd, I don't, be, that'd be interesting. I don't even, I don't know. If it doesn't work, who cares? You could just try another one anyways. That's true. Come Become a member of every church. If one's got a 9 o'clock mass and one's got another mass at 11, just go to all of them. It's true. <laughs> then, you know what, you have a job, you can become a priest. What, what are the qualifications to become a priest? Uh, let's not say like something specific like Catholic where you have to be baptized and all these things. Let's just say you, you something you can become, become as an adult. a priest? But an actual priest, not a minister, not anything like that. Like no, an actual like priest. a priest. Okay. Okay, well, the Catholic Church definitely has great uh, search engine optimization. Yeah, it's all Catholic. I guess priest is a very a Catholic, Catholic term. Yes. Okay, well, for the Catholic ways, uh, method one of two, you can enter the clergy at a young age. One, meet the basic requirements. In the Roman Catholic Church, a priest must be male and unmarried. Okay. Uh, most, many, that's most homeless people. Yes. Many <laughs> Eastern Catholic churches will ordain... Married men generally in their native country. Although there are no formal requirements or bans, anyone with homosexual tendencies must generally overcome these for at least three years before ordination. It'd be hard for them to monitor that so long as the person is in public, so that also works. You must be at least 25 years old to become a priest, but this is rarely an issue unless you complete your studies unusually early. Two. Study. So what 
What are these studies? That I think that's the crux of this. Uh, Do people have to go to school? There is a college, but okay. that's step four. Okay. Step two, get involved at your parish, which homeless people can do. So step do. one and two, got a lot you of free can time. do. Yeah. Before you even think about going to college or the seminary, it's a good idea to get started out helping at your church. The longer your history as a practicing Catholic in good standing, the easier it will be to enter the priesthood. You have to get to know your favorite priest. Tell him your interest in joining the seminary and see if you can assist him during services or when he goes to visit sick members of the church. Kind of like when you have a lot of free time. Yeah. That sounds very, like, humanly rewarding. You probably feel pretty good about yourself you if you did that job. In addition to altar services, help out with singing and reading, getting through knowledge of the books, or getting thorough knowledge of the books and hymns will make everything easier down the road. That's pretty easy, especially if we went to, like, Catholic school growing up. Yeah. yeah. I know, mo- like, mo- a lot of them still. Mm-hmm. Number three, assess your beliefs. Becoming a priest is not a decision to take lightly. It is a path that takes years to complete and is not for the faint of heart or belief. If you at all see yourself doing anything else, priesthood might not be for you. Well, the- I don't think the outlook of homeless people is that broad. Not usually. It's true. So it's a good thing to focus on. These sources of insight may help you make your decision. One, pray for God's assistance in discerning your situation. Two, participate in Mass regularly, developing a relationship with your parish's clergy. And three, ask for advice from a vocational director or any trusted mentor within the church. Finally, number four, attend college, and it is recommended. A bachelor degree typically makes it easier to enter the seminary and reduces the length of seminary studies by a couple years. A degree in philosophy or theology prepares you best, but a degree in any subject can demonstrate your dedication and ability. While in univer- or while in college, get involved in your campus's ministry. Use this time to attend retreats, help other students, and connect with your new parish or diocese. Number five, enter the seminary. This could either be the most interesting or boring segment we've ever done. Yeah. I'm genuinely interested. Apply to seminaries through your diocese or through the religious order. If at all possible, enter a seminary that awards a Master of Divinity and is accredited by the Association of Theological Schools, if you are in the U.S. or Canada. Ask your parish how to get started. Every school has a different application process. You may need reference letters, proof of church involvement, a certain GPA, and a statement of interest to name the basics. So reference letters, after you're in the church, I mean, if you get a priest reference letter, maybe maybe if you've been involved long enough, you might get a cardinal's reference letter, stuff like that, right? Yeah. It's like becoming a doctor, but with significantly lower financial prospects. But Probably still a pretty satisfying job. Oh, it is. I think we... I don't know if we've... I can't remember. I feel like we've talked about how much priests get paid. Fun to peel the paint off this rust. Thank you so very much. Uh, these qu- the questions may cover physical health, emotional well-being, conformity of behavior within Catholic tradition, and a broad knowledge of church doctrine. Then, of course, you have to excel in seminary school. Uh, you'll spend your years studying philosophy, Latin, Greek, Gregorian chants, dogmatic and moral theology, 
I think I'm going to stop you there and say the college part has been financially borrowing, so that's probably not going to work for most homeless people. But you can get loans. Yes. And, well, okay, so you can get a loan, possibly. I don't know what you, if you can get a loan when you're homeless without a fixed address. There's probably get lots... a P.O. box. I don't think you can get those to a P.O. box. There's certain things you can't get in P.O. boxes. I know that much. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe you have a friend that has an address. So That's also... So you pick that. But, okay. So... Also, if you're applying for college for the purpose, I would hope at some point you've, you've at least made a friend in church who is also a friend in God yeah. and maybe your roommate's. Yeah, okay. Right? So maybe you've, you've met th- maybe you've already fixed your homelessness. Maybe. Okay. So then there's no more re- need to be a, pr- a priest. True. Okay, so you're back on your feet, and, and you can resume your life in the rest of society, because now you have a place to shower. Maybe someone will buy you a set of clothes, and you can go get a job. True. Okay, so problem, problem solved. That's true. Also, I don't think a priest is worth that much work, personally. I mean, I don't have any interest in that. Also, I don't believe in God, so it probably doesn't help, but... Nah. It's, it's interesting how much work is required to be a priest. That's true. There was lots of young priests when I was in Catholic school that would come in and talk about stuff. I don't really know uh, how they got into that, so you know. Well, apparently there's ways you can excel in your studies, uh-huh. as the article said. But a Catholic priest salary in Ontario, the average priest salary in Ontario is $47,000 a year or $25,000 or $25 per hour. It's good. This is 1.5 times more than the median wage of the country. Entry levels, entry level positions start at 33 while most experienced workers make up to 67. $67 an hour. 67,000. Okay. Um, That's, That's good money. Fair money, and a lot of times after the fact, like you, you don't you don't have expenses once you're a part of a church. No, they kind of take care of that stuff for you. you. Live on the church ground, yeah. So you don't have to pay rent. No. You have to pay for food. It's kind of like being the president, almost. Yeah. You have to pay for food and whatnot, but the the employees, your secretary, the ministers and whatnot, if they are paid positions, they are paid not by you. It's just the church. So it's kind of like free room and board, almost. Right. Uh, of the three priests that I knew in Tilsonburg, the first one, older, older priest, nice guy. Um, he would drive to the next town over to avoid seeing his parishioners at the LCBO. He didn't want them to know he drank. It's not. The Bible is kind of wishy-washy with drinking. Mostly, but Jesus I, made wine. I know, but mostly, I guess it does demonize drinking for That's the most true. part, and other things that are related to addictions and, and such. But it doesn't explicitly say you can't drink under any circumstance. In fact, it probably encourages it during certain religious holidays and, and events. So, yeah, I think maybe he might have drink, been dr- developing drank, a drinking problem. Yeah, okay. I don't you know. know. Drinking excessively. Can't confirm. The second priest opened up his first mass by asking for directions to the beer store. Really? Yes. Why would he do that? Because priests always like to start with a humor? joke, okay. right? And it did make people laugh. It'd be funny, yeah. And he, this priest, referenced the Simpsons in his homilies. Simpsons is very Christian friendly. Yeah. Yeah. But still, very, very pop culture, very modern, very yep. in there. So he, he'd mentioned them. He came over for dinner uh, to my parents' place one night and taught my brother how to fling 
uh, beer caps. And my brother was, what, 13, 14 at the time? Uh-huh. Flinging beer caps. And then during dinner, he asked my brother, you know, kind of general interests. And at that point, I said, oh, well, I like filmmaking. And my brother had mentioned that he likes Archie comics. And my priest's like, oh, do you read the, like, the Archie, the real Archie comics or the Christian ones? Because apparently there's a separate Christian well, Archie comic. I didn't know this. My dad, or my brother said, uh, the, uh, the regular Archie comics. And he's like, good, the Christian ones are horrible. So... <laughs> I'm sure that um, he left. It's a lot like Christian music, I'd imagine, where it just takes the fun part about music and ruins it. I know. I don't know how you do a love triangle with Betty and Veronica when <laughs> Veronica can't dress sexy because yeah. she's a young Christian woman. It doesn't work so well. And then our current priest, nice guy, he actually helped me develop uh, the the church part of the dh media contract because i basically went to him and i said as a priest like what what do you like videographers and couples to make sure they ask you before they bring in a photographer or videographer and he said well i like to make sure he's a he's a younger guy so he's okay with it but he's like it's always important to ask the priest if it's okay to bring in a separate microphone stuff like that if it's okay to clutter the aisle with a tripod or something like that what's important obviously the altars off off um off limits uh like during the actual ceremony like you can't go behind them but but yeah, i've pushed my luck and you've pushed your luck with it and i have i have <laughs> gotten away with it in angles that i haven't used but i put cameras back there like gopros and yeah. whatnot just to see if anything was interesting none of it ever really was no. but photo wise i know that i need to be back there for certain shots yeah and then you can once they're signing the registry you can depending go. on the church you can go back there with yes. them um so he was also a nice guy i've actually had lunch with him we did a we did a, a video shoot way back then three years ago maybe four three years ago i think it was 2015 and he took us all out for lunch we went to kelsey's and he was a nice guy he was asking so I think that's one of the things that, I mean, priests are people too. They've, they've chosen something and they have personalities. He was funny. It's a little bit awkward, not socially awkward, but he's a priest. So, yeah. And then there's also that thing like, I'm like, I can't swear in front of this guy and stuff like that. But <laughs> I, I think God damn it would be, would be out of order. A little bit. Yeah. But nice guy. Uh, yeah. Then, there was a priest at Beatty's that came, and him and I had a long talk about uh, technology and how it's helped, because he was impressed that he can just, with a click, not even emailing, with a click of a button on his iPhone, airdrop it to my computer, then I can print it. He was talking about how... How does that work for customers coming in? I, you know, proximity, depending on the model of the iPhone, sometimes, as far as I know, because I know we have an Apple fangirl that may correct me on this, but okay. as far as I know... Older model iPhones, you have to be connected to the same network. Newer model iPhones is proximity-based. I don't know how the how the iMac knows, or I don't know how it knows the like iMac. Like you both go into some mode for AirDrop or something? Is it yeah. Okay. So there's two devices that are willing to receive and send information at the time. Although the iMac doesn't have to go into AirDrop mode. Only no, it, the iPhone. It, hmm. I don't know. 
How, how does do he that. find your device? I'm, I'm interested in this. But again, very neat. And he was talking about how he's a granddaughter and a wife. So he's not a Catholic priest or he's not a traditional Catholic priest. Because he has a wife. He has a wife and a granddaughter, which means he has at least one child. Has another commitment other than the church. Yep. But he was saying how he noticed very early on that his granddaughter was being really, really focused on technology, which is fine. Technology is a good thing. But it can't be your entire life. It's going to be. It's going to engulf. Every, well, it already does engulf every aspect of our lives. The very re, it's engulfing this conversation that you and I could be having right now. Yes, it is to each other. But instead, we're doing it with mics in front of our faces. But we get to talk about things that we wouldn't. Uh, Eric, I want to sit down and talk to you about the Catholic Church. Yeah, we now wouldn't we have do a this reason ever. to. I know. It's that's what a podcast is it's for. It's fun. It's so good. So this guy, Joe said, Rogan, was right. <laughs> I did. I think the summary of his advice is he just said everybody should be doing this. Yeah. Because it's useful. It is. Yeah. And you have no idea. We could, depending on the way YouTube goes, 150 years from now, like there could be somebody that you have no idea who's going to listen to this at any An point in time. An anthropologist is going to listen to our podcast? At some point, somebody has to stumble across it. I don't right? know. No, I can just, it can decay into nothing. YouTube servers get shut off. Some competitor takes over. The hard drives get dumped into the ocean. That's true. It's gone. Um, this priest said, I've now planned when my granddaughter visits to come up with ways to try to get her, like, to to change the environment. Not to make her feel uncomfortable, but to make her notice something is wrong. And he said, the first time I tried it, every picture in the house I turned upside down. Like, I t took the picture and flipped it upside down. So it still looked normal, but I mean, it didn't necessarily look normal. But nothing was away, and he said she she noticed something, but she couldn't tell what it was. And they proceeded to talk for a little bit about what was wrong, and then it, it opened up conversation, which I now... It's a really interesting psychological experiment for your kids. Yeah. I'm like, that's kind of neat. And it's a young enough kid that she might not notice that the photos are upside down, but eventually he mentioned that. And at that point, they had been talking, they would connected. Not that you really need to connect with your grandchildren on a on a a full hour and a half conversation but hmm. I don't know that, that's kind of neat that you're manipulating your grandchild <laughs> I think I'd do stuff like that to my kids for sure I would too that would be the most interesting thing to happen is to be able to sit there and just talk to them that would just probe the mind of a developing child that's making these neuronal connections and just trying to dispel things that they already have as misconceptions about the world but then give them reason to be inquisitive enough themselves to investigate things and uh, all that. Talking to my nephews and nieces is so interesting. Like, my niece, I don't know if it's because she's the only girl in the family, like the only girl child in the family, or she's just, but she is the most creative one in the family. Her imagination holds no, no bars, like, uh, has no bars, holds no bounds, whatever. And there's part, like, we were, we were with her this weekend, and she had two shells in her hands, two seashells. And she went up to Melissa and said, I found these. And Melissa was like, well, that's good. And you think you're on the water. And she was so excited that she found them, and she gave one to Melissa. She did find one in a display in our bathroom. Oh. So... I don't know why, like, just, that's a weird story, but there's excitement in some of the most mundane things, which is cool. She just sings 
nonsense. She's playing with her dolls and she'll just sing whatever. Hmm. Um, and then she gets on to something. She spent probably a good 25 minutes asking me about food I like. And then if I said no, she didn't get a point. And if I said yes, she got a point. She only ever made it up to point fourteen because she can't count higher than fourteen. But for four year olds, or for four year old, four years old, that's I say fairly impressive. That's fine. Um, but she would still play. So she'd be like, "Do you like cheese?" And I'd be like, "Yeah." And she'd be fourteen, yay, fourteen. And then, "Do you like pizza?" And be like, yeah, yay, fourteen. So she. Bridge the gap. Maybe that's an opportunity to teach them mathematics. We not, tried. Not even counting. Because you say, okay, you can get to 14. That's a good start. Now, I want you to say, you got 14. You got you pull 14 pieces or something. Let's count to 14 again. And then you do this for the end of the game. And you say, okay, let's put these together. We're going to figure out how many we have, how many how many groups of them we have, how many 14s we have. And you can teach like a, a division almost. Like, oh, there's three groups of 14. Somebody pointed out that teaching children math is more expensive nowadays by a factor of five. You can't teach them basic math with pennies anymore. It has to be at least nickels. It's a good joke. It's true. It's only true for Canadians. That is true. Um, yeah, if you use money, if you use, you can't teach them anything with pennies. It's all going to be rounded. That's a weird gap in the in the economic knowledge of children. Yeah. Because, like, where's the one? Where's the basic integer we use for money? Because it still exists yeah. with tax. Yeah. The number exists. It's just you round in the payment. Or if you use an electronic payment, you don't. That's true. So it, it exists in this hypothetical form of electronic money. Mm-hmm. But it does not exist in the physical representation of our money. Interesting. It makes it difficult to count. Hmm. No, I... Nephews and nieces... Young people are interesting. I think mm-hmm. some people might say, you know, they're interesting to talk to before they've been beaten down by the system. Yeah. But I don't know. It's. She's creative and I hope she stays that way. She's definitely the. She's got, she's got a creative spark to her. Although we don't know what her. where her creativity lies because it's kind of all over the place. She likes to draw, she likes to paint, she likes to sing, she'll dance, she'll do all that. So I don't know where her creativity lies. Maybe she's just creative in general, but I yeah. can't. I can't. Well, whatever directions you get steered in, probably. That's practice true. something, and it's, it's fairly moldable at that point. Between dealing with them, and well, dealing with them, between experiencing the weekend with them and then going yesterday to Darien Lake outside of the which we could talk about Darien yeah, Lake too I was about to say that. Um, between the occasional rude person because hey we're in the states and I did notice that there's not as many oh sorry or excuse me's or whatever like when we, we just walk into each other nobody moves out of the way <laughs> I didn't really notice I noticed that at least twice there was one kid but kids I mean are when I elbowed him in the face, so I guess I got him. I didn't do it on purpose, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did. So, so we went to Darien Lake, which is used to be owned by Six Flags. Six Flags sold it, then Six Flags bought it back. They are the current owners. They're I did. current owners. They, so, they, no, that's not true. They manage it. It okay. is owned by a separate company, so the property is this company. Okay. But it's Pro- managed by Six Flags. Property that's got a bunch of roller coasters and other amusement park rides, shops, Things, general events like they host concerts, concerts and things stuff like that and they got a pretty decent water park campground 
Basically, it's where Canadians go when they don't want to go to Canada's Wonderland and deal with the it's, amount of it's people. It's a lot but, closer. Yeah. This and, and there were a lot of New Yorkers that go there, obviously, too. But a lot of Canadians. A lot of people we bumped into were Canadians. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nice place. I think if Six Flags... I don't know when they repurchased it, but I think if Six Flags is going to do some overhaul, they need to... The, the rides themselves are fine. I had no issues with the actual rides. Everything that we went on, outside of like, the fact that I'm not a giant roller coaster person, they were fine rides. It's just the efficiency needs some work. Because even waiting for the rides in Canada's Wonderland the last time I went, I didn't feel... They put up canvases to block the sun. They put up TVs. Didn't to matter because we play were music videos. the music, the TVs and music that would make a difference. Yeah, the sun didn't matter because it was Halloween hot, so it was dark. Okay, yeah. but even the the they have lots of actors going around the park during Halloween hot to yep, keep up actors. an atmosphere. But even even in the regular season, they got lots of like photographers that'll take your photo, or there'll be people like walking around that'll sort of and there'll be good shows. There'll be like a diving show off the mountain and. A, other stuff like that that'll sort of keep people's interest during the main season. The problem with Canada's Wonderland is it's extremely busy, but it's a, it's a top notch, top tier park in my opinion. Especially with the new new additions of like the Behemoth and the Leviathan in the past, I don't know, five six years, it really has some of the best coasters around, and it, it's a cool atmosphere for sure. Yeah, I, I think as far as roller coasters go, Canada's Wonderland's kind of like yeah, Canada's Wonderland. But where else in Canada, outside of the mall in in uh, Calgary, is it Calgary? Are there coasters? Yeah, it's Calgary. There's there's an it goes across the yeah, which is kind of a neat concept. Where do you go in amusement for amusement parks in Canada? You don't. It's not something it's Canada's we Wonderland do as much, right? As I guess that's why it's not called Ontario's Wonderland. Yeah, it's a it's supposed to be a celebration. celebration of it's Canada. the biggest one we got. Um, the states are very different. Like they have more because they, they have, have a lot of. I mean, Six Flags. That's, yes, that's and it. and the property is owned by Disney. Yes, too. Disney and Universal and all that. Universal. I mean, Disney isn't known necessarily. They they wouldn't necessarily call the majority of the rides roller coasters, even though there's some of them. They have some no, roller coasters. I, I think, but Canada's Wonderland has a lot of the ones where it's like you sit in the 3D movie theater and they rock you around in your seat or whatever things that aren't roller coasters that are fun and lots of the rides that induce motion sickness and all the all the like. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. Darien Lake was good. It was nice because I mean it had the water park, which was nice as well. I liked the water park. Yeah, the water park was um, was good. But the efficiency, like having to wait so long, just even for an extra tube to go up, they they could have used a few extra tubes. But it didn't matter because the line it, it wasn't dependent. It wasn't a limiting factor to have tubes because people holding tubes stand in another line. And those people get to go as one by one onto the thing. That's so th- true, but didn't really slow y- it down. if for no other reason, if you, if, okay, if there's two people there and one tube, person one has one tube, has to go up and go down, give person two the tube, and then that person has to go up and then the go down. The tube would be a limiting factor. But if there's two case. tubes, one goes up, the other follows, down, down. Down, down. Yeah. So then, they then could it, have used a few more. But in this case, people were coming down with tubes, and there were still people up on the line right. with tubes. So by the time you get grab one, you're coming back to a line with 30 people in it. So you're still waiting for all those people in front of you. 
Like, True. it's not the limiting factor in the case. I, I think in their case, it was actually the staffing that was the limiting factor. If one of the, for instance, one of the water slides we went to, yeah, some there of the, was there should have been more open rides. Yeah, there would have gave people more choice. There was four or five like slides, right? And you could, they were all at the top of this big platform, and theoretically, they had two people working up there. If they had four or five people, they could be using every single one of those slides at the same time, and people would be able to go through them. But they had two. So instead, they had two people there, and they would call you over and let you pick whatever slide you wanted, and you, they'd set you up. But other people are standing there waiting for somebody to be free to get them, attend to them, true. and get them to sit down. That would be the limiting factor in that situation. Yeah. Once you have four or five employees, that goes as fast as it physically can. And it's safe, because you need the employees to do that job. True. In my opinion, you don't, but whatever. People will do stupid stuff, so hmm. probably fine. No, that that one that is true. I don't know. See, then it comes down to a business thing. I wonder if they do have it worked out that uh, whether you're gonna piss off more people because of the wait time. Which I wasn't mad. It was a fun day. No, I, I, I'm used to it. I think people who don't go to parks might not be used to it. But I've gone to Canada Online quite a bit as right. a kid. So. so then people they probably think, okay, so we can get away with two people. So that's saving us whatever per hour. Yeah. But they're raking in enough money. They they're have to be. a lot of money. They have to be. But it doesn't matter. Every amusement park rakes in money, and they still cut costs wherever they can. Yeah. That's where we're in the issue with Marineland. I don't know how much they make. It can't be that good. It's mostly tourists. It used to be really good. Used to be. But people, it, people, it has a bad reputation, and people who live in Ontario largely ignore it because they don't want anything to do with that. It also really surprised me because I'd... I don't want to say I want to go ironically, but I'd like to go just to see how bad it really is. Because I remember going when I was a kid. And yeah. to look at it from an adult's perspective, What's that would be interesting. A bunch of sad mammalian creatures. Right. But it's expensive. It is. Like, it's 60 bucks a person type expensive. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't go. I'm not going. No. If it was 30, maybe. I wouldn't go for any reason. I don't think the rides are at all compelling. Well, I wouldn't go for the rides. I and just... I don't want to support whatever the hell they're doing with their marine animals at all. I don't have any, I don't care about it in the slightest. I can't imagine they would be around for too much longer. Although, Somebody they could buy won. Them. Like, they got the, the, the whole PETA thing. They fought and they... They won that. Yeah. So I don't know if it's because they have a they have a really good legal team, which is possible. Yeah. Or there was, wasn't enough evidence. I've stopped reading stuff on Facebook about it. Because being in Niagara, there's a lot of posts about Marineland. And some of the photos that people are posting, like, oh, this is a photo of a walrus on... August 1st, 2018. Look at how savvy he's humpbacked. I'm like, no, that's not. So I've seen, I know I've seen that exact same photo four years ago. Not that it's good, but you're not doing any good no. sharing it, fake news. That, that's an ideological point, like, point of view or propaganda. Uh, there was a body found in Niagara Falls. Yes. They figured out who it was. It was a 53-year-old woman that was missing. But people had immediately associated with other missing yes. young people in the area. And uh, unfortunately, it sells better in the media if you say, oh, I really hope it's not this 18-year-old kid. When it very, I mean, 
outside of the fact that it very well could have been him in Niagara Falls, but he was last seen in St. Catharines. It's a jump. That's a jump. Now, if foul play was suspected, then sure. But I would I would think that if you kidnap somebody, and this is, I guess this is really dark, but if you kidnap somebody in in Niagara, you wouldn't you wouldn't dispose in Niagara. I don't know. I'm not sure either. I, I don't really know. There aren't really many well-known Canadian serial killers other than, like, that guy that was killing the gay people or whatever in Toronto. Bruce MacArthur is his name. Yeah. And he would just... He was a landscaper, so he would hide the bodies and other people's properties where he worked. So I guess that is a proof that somebody would go through the efforts to move evidence. Canada's so friggin' vast, though. There has to be... No, I'm, there's lots of unsolved stuff, I'm sure, and there's probably murders they haven't connected the dots on to find a serial killer. And just killer. missing bodies way up north. Maybe. You I don't know. You can't tell me that there... How many missing person cases are there? They say there's a lot of Aboriginal ones, but I'm sure there's lots of people in general that have gone missing. Probably some of them murdered. There's a body in Tila's Lake. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. Nobody's ever going to scuba dive down there nope. to really find out. Exactly, and it's such a limited. I'm honestly surprised that you would that you had said that there were people, there were uh, like conservation people or whatever there. Oh, they're so, on your ass about stuff. I know, but I've never seen anybody there, and it's such a small population on that lake. Yeah. No, they just drive up the roads. That's about it. So. Um, they used to call them the soap police because they would come up in a boat. And if you had, like, a shower that drained into the lake or whatever, they'd immediately they'd be on you about what type of soap you use because there's certain lake-certified soaps that don't hurt the oils in the environment or whatever the hell. You Come gotta, on. you got to use ivory soap. You're not allowed to use Dove or something like that. you got to use whatever. And, and yeah, they would, they would restrict what you could do really? or, or where you could build. They strictly enforce certain things. Like, you were not allowed to build a new structure within 60 feet of the water line or whatever. And, like, certain things. You have to repurpose your structures. You can't rebuild. Yes, all those bullshit things. Telling people what to do on their own property, saying you need permits for things that you probably wouldn't need permits for otherwise. And yeah, they're on their ass, the asses of everybody. And that's, I guess, how they get their funding, is they just keep saying, look at all these people we caught doing these things and, and continuing. Because there's no police presence. Small communities like that will not pay the OPP to that's come really investigate. That's a small community. Yeah. Even if you, you pulled out a little bit, that's an incredibly small yeah. And sparsely populated and area. Nobody has, they don't, the town does not have the budget or money to pay the OPP to come investigate anything that is actually criminal. So they just sit there all day, fucking... In this case, they were accusing somebody of drinking and driving, but they caught them in their driveway in a golf cart. And, and they were threatening things to this person. On, on what ground? What, now they're going to they're gonna call the cops about it and try to, you know, make a big deal? I don't, I don't know. It... The, the conservation authorities up there have a lot of power and can do a lot to citizens to, to mess with them, really. Yeah. And I'm sure from their perspective, they feel justified in what they're doing. That's fine. I don't understand their perspective, of course. But it seems ridiculous from the cottagegoer's point of view. A little bit. Yeah. Is there any news on that, uh, that res- not resort? What would it be? The rental property thing across the lake? You know, how they were... Haven't heard anything? No. The water level stuff? The water level stuff. The, that's another thing. Somebody bought a part of the lake that has control over like a dam system or whatever where the water comes into the lake and has 
intentionally fucked every resident on the lake for I don't know how long, a decade. Doesn't that sound like a plot to yeah. a bad movie? Oh, yeah. Basically, everybody <laughs> had beachfront property and where it was a fair distance from the water. And then this, these people bought up a bunch of places so that they could have like a rental community or something, some yep. cottage community. And they have access to the flow of the water. And they've just flooded everybody's beaches and up to, you know, it's up to a lot of people's homes. Like the, um, the cottage that Tila's family has, the water, you could jump into the water from the deck. It's right there. I mean, you break your legs because you hit is? the sand. Because it, it wasn't, there it's was, up there. there was at least it's about a the little same. bit of a gap. The deck's built out. There wasn't a deck there the last time you were there. That's there was a part of a deck. Okay. But anyways, it, you could hit the water. You'd hit the sand, too, and break your legs, but you'd hit the water. So anyways, there's almost water coming, like, you know, underneath where the house is. I don't think it's going to get any higher, but it's ridiculous the amount of control that certain people in the community can have over a resource like the water level in a lake. That's a plot to a James Bond movie. <sighs> Just fuck up everybody's beachfront so you have the only well, good no, beachfront. Wa- controlling water as a resource. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's interesting, and that's a that like I've camped uh, like Algonquin and whatnot, but that little patch of Airdrie land is a true, almost untouched piece of paradise. I almost don't like it because I can't. I don't feel like I can do much. I love the lake. I like being out in the you lake. You don't feel like you can do much. I don't know where to hike, like because. Her family owns all these different parts of it, and some of them don't want people around. And it's it's this unparceled piece of land that's owned by family, basically. And I, I don't know. It, it's almost limiting in in the way that it's organized. What if you went behind, like if you walked? I up don't know. The... I've had conversations with people about who owns what. And they're like, "Well, we own all of it." And then you ask them questions like, "Well, what if I want to go here?" It's like, "No, don't go there." And it's like, I don't know. How would they know? I don't. I. It, it's so weird. And, and that's just coming from my perspective because I've grown up with access to a very large piece of property as well, about, I think, 160 acres or so, which is now my family cottage. And, yeah, I know exactly where every defined border of that place is, and I love going up hikes. I love doing things there. I love, you know, going out hunting or whatever the heck it was when I was, you know, a kid. Yeah. And, you know, I, I could do any of those things. I could snowmobile. I could do whatever. If I'm up there, I met the... I don't own anything up there. I don't have any right to use any of their stuff, which is fair because it's not my stuff to use, but I just feel... It doesn't feel comfortable necessarily being there. Like, the best part is the lake because then I can go canoe out to an island and I know nobody lives in the damn thing and I can go hiking around that and that's cool. But it, it's, it's, it's very strange. What about on the other side of the road? Like, that, they say... Various family members have said they own all of that. Like, all the area on the other side of the road. And I don't... I don't know. Must just own big the chunk. land hasn't been surveyed probably in like 70 years. So, eh. If they ever survey it, there Borders. could be a big, a yeah. big fight. Uh-huh. There, there's certain things, as far as property rights, I, I don't really... I think there's certain things in place to stop it from being resurveyed, and it's so long as it doesn't get parceled up. So nobody can really sell a, their part of it. It is owned by the family somehow in one way or another. I don't know whose name it's actually in because it's got to be actually in somebody's That's name. That's why it can't get sold, but it can, can be passed down from generation to generation. It'd be interesting to learn property rights and things like that that we have in Canada because I, th- I was listening to um, an audiobook a while ago about, a while, by a while ago, I mean like a year ago, about just basically real estate investing and all this kind of stuff and they would talk about zoning, how you could zone land for certain use case scenarios and all this stuff, but it never really went into just these weird 
unparceled out land pieces that people amassed like over a hundred years ago and there's just these huge things that have been passed down through families and all that. I don't really know how many of those exist in the country and and what you can do with them. I don't know what this land is zoned for because you can't really build permanent structures in the same way anymore. You can just re-maintain old ones. It, it, it's crazy. You have you couldn't zone it to build something, but, but then again, the company that's making rental properties did zone it for whatever commercial purposes they had, so I don't know. I don't know. Government swaying? Government just money? steps into everything. Yeah. You hear Doug Ford was talking, I think, about like redefining the Greenbelt area and, and allowing different development. That would open up so much expansion for like cities like Newmarket and all those where there's like a ton of farmer, farm fields and stuff like that to just grow outward. Because yeah. they've been restricted to these very specific limits for such a long time. But the population keeps going up. Things are changing, for sure. I don't know if they're going to change in the time that Doug Ford has to do whatever he has See, as a premier. that's just it. Four years as a premier. No. However long Whatever's going to happen. And we're probably all going to decide to vote NDP or Liberal next time. And then all the things that are in progress will never come to fruition, whether they would have been good or bad. And it's just going to be the same old cycle. People bitching about the liberals and conservatives for doing whatever, or liberals and NDP for doing whatever, and then it goes back to conservative over and over. Twenty-five year terms. That's it's a bit much. <laughs> of course, of course, the term limits exist for a reason. You, there is no winning. There really isn't. It'd be nice if there was just a clear, defined way of going about something that was just unilateral. All the parties could believe, like, go with it. I don't know. Perfect. What we'll do is most people have smartphones. The people that don't will be issued a government-mandated smartphone. On every political thing in the province of Ontario and all of Canada, you just vote on every problem. Doug, that would be amazing. Doug Ford wants to change the green belt. Put out a poll. Yes, no, <sighs> now, maybe. here's the problem. Now you're dealing with all the lowest-ranking members of society who don't have any actual intellectual contribution to make weighing in on things. Is it really that good to have Who that? says that Doug Ford has the intellectual... A lot of people would say he doesn't. And a lot of people say that he does. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> but at least everybody... <laughs> Who is fit to govern the people? A lot of people would say the people definitely aren't fit to do that job. But if, again, it is a true democracy at that point, so you got at least the principle of democracy going for you. You sound really dumb. I just keep staring into your eyes because that light is bouncing off of them. So they're it's pitch- going directly at my face. I know, but they're be- <laughs> they've just got a little twinkle. Little twinkle. I hmm. maybe we could talk about our setup today because get get a little meta. Ah, uh, it is a it is a little thing. different. Although I do like it because it is just yeah. it's a summer night. So we're on Jesse's balcony. Yes, as we said before on our balcony. Um. Yeah, we even put up a little light inside the the apartment just to see if it helps illuminate us, which I think it probably would. It's a nice place. It's a nice view. The view that you used to have in your old apartment was, was not trees. not as nice because we probably just have a bunch of people's houses in the you background. In the summertime, you really can't see it because it's all trees. Unless oh, okay. you look down. But here, it's open. It's nice. I like it. It is nice. Fairly long street. I mean, you could probably see down more of that if there weren't so many trees, but... Yeah. It's an older neighborhood. What do you think most of these houses were built? I've never questioned that. (laughs) I have looked into renting houses in this general area, but I have not looked into buying them, so I didn't see any of the documents stating when the houses came from. 
Because a lot of St. Catharines was built up around the 1920s. That's when a lot of the houses are from. And I wouldn't doubt some of them around here are that old, but I think a lot of them are probably quite a bit newer, maybe the 50s or 60s. You know what, I, I know of one house that was for sale around this a few streets down, and it was like 67 or 66. Yeah. So the, the styling that underlies a lot of the brick houses kind of goes with that. And even the ones with the siding, you can see some have had siding replaced and all that, but, but yeah, some of them do look like they're an older siding style. Uh, we need. You can even see the QEW from your apartment. You can. Yeah, I never, I never realized that. Yeah, it's, it's a nice location, and the neighborhood. When I was researching this apartment, a quick little Google search found out that there was somebody stabbed here years ago. All right. No, it doesn't. I mean, don't live downtown St. Catharines. I'm stabbed there every year. Well, exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the quality of the place, but no. even in the three years. There's been a lot of home renovations, so I've seen this neighborhood and even the residents in this building upscale, which is nice. There are still some people that have been here for the past three years, myself included, but I was never a a I was never a I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, this looks like they're having a water gun fight of some sort. Neighbors have a pool. The pool's fairly well hidden. I can't even see it from where I'm sitting. Uh, I wonder if they cleaned it because I was staring at it yesterday and I'm like, fuck, that's really green. Algal blooms. Those are, there's algal blooms in a couple lakes. I think, now, I won't speak on it specifically, but this is algal bloom season for somewhere because it's hearing about a bunch of marine life being killed off. That happens. Um, no, I've seen, I've seen the residents here change and there's, there's even some younger people living here now and. They've moved and they've updated. Obviously, this is a, a freshly renovated. Although in some cases, there were some 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 corners cut, but it's a fairly nice apartment on the surface level. Where do you think the corners were cut? Well, you pointed out last week that they oh very simply just rolled paint on shoddy work on the yeah. trim or something. Yeah, they had just rolled paint on the trim, so most of the trimming. Yeah. Like here and in the bathroom it is, but I have the paint now so I can touch it. You can up touch it up. Um, when we got the place, and this, this is absolutely, I don't know if you ever watched it, Tim, you did a great job. I'm even sure you didn't paint. <laughs> it, no, it looks great. That's why I was asking where, we, where you thought the corners were cut. But he and left. And a budget, of course, too. Budget. He left before everything was complete, and I don't know who was supposed to complete it, but... I at least liked it because I got to choose where my toilet paper dispenser went because that wasn't put up. I had to find it. Like, we don't have a toilet paper dispenser. It was in the top shelf of my cupboard. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, well, this goes there. And, um, you know, when we saw the apartment or saw the the, the sample apartment, which is below, the, uh, the pictures had... Basically, the kitchen is you saw it, and as everybody saw it last week and the week before, but they also had a matching, like, stainless steel stove, fridge, and microwave. The appliances are different, then. The appliances are different, but it had a matching, a, a, a matching look, stainless steel. I don't care if it's not a matching, but the microwave was included. I didn't have a microwave that wasn't built-in one. Yes. When... 
we were just a few days from moving after TM was finished. I I was able to see it. I'm like, there's no microwave. So I sent an email to the landlord. I'm like, is there a microwave going in? He's like, well, we weren't going to. I'm like, that's part of what sold me on it. My microwave's old. If you don't put a microwave on here, the counter space is severely limited. Yeah. Because the whole idea of having a microwave like that like is there's counter so space. much counter space. Yeah. He's like, well, I'll see about getting one. Like, You're damn right. <laughs> I'm glad you got that, yeah. So am I. And it's a big microwave. I don't know. It comes with a metal frame, so I don't know if it's a like a metal tray. So I don't know if it's an actual like microwave or it's a mic. I don't know if it's a microwave. We'll investigate oven. your microwave after the podcast. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe we should... Uh, Go for the night. Light's going to start getting dimmer outside, and yeah. we might become dark if we stay out too long. Uh, what's... Uh, Any of the final things we should get off? Final, final things. Um, what the shit is next week? Well, we have a wedding to attend, but I don't two think weddings. that affects this. Yeah, we have two weddings. Okay. I have two weddings. It doesn't affect uh, Sunday night. Uh, let's, let's, do, let's do something if we... Do you want to try interviewing somebody? I can get an interview lined up. Yeah. Okay. So look forward to next week when we might have somebody that didn't interview. Otherwise, it'll be us again. Which is okay. And if it is just us again, let's try someplace else creative. Okay. We're, we're going to get weird with you people, so prepare to get weird. Yeah. Have a good night. Goodbye. Through the window.